Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to continue in a series called The Blessing of Pentecost. You can turn to two passages. We're going to look at Acts 2 and 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to read a lot of scripture today from uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 14. Now, last week, I, I, I spoke a message about three baptisms uh, that we see all throughout Scripture. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is he baptizes us into Christ. And then we talked about disciples' baptism, which is water baptism, but then also Jesus baptizing us in the Holy Spirit. There's a difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit which is into Christ at salvation, and then the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is subsequent to being saved. So um, the church initiated this moment, was initiated in this moment by the outpouring of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, which we're going to read today. And I'm going to keep repeating why it's so important for the church to embrace what God did on the day of Pentecost. It's found in the pronouncement in the very beginning um, of Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Peter, after uh, the men who had gathered for this feast of Pentecost, heard others speaking supernaturally in tongues they never naturally learned, Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. These are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my men servants and maidservants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I'll show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood and before the coming of of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, here's what we see here uh, in Peter's explanation of this supernatural birthday of the church. Here it is. First, when the spirit is poured out on believers they are supernaturally empowered to do what they could not do apart from the Holy Spirit. And we see it this way. It says, I will pour out my spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and they what? Prophesy. They say what God is saying. Now, this meant a lot to them because it was only prophets who prophesied, not the people. And now God is saying, listen, every believer can hear my voice and say what I'm saying. There is a supernatural empowerment. Then he goes on to say who it's really for. It's sons and daughters, men and women, no difference. Come on, I I thought more women would say amen. (laughs) There is a difference, but in the kingdom, you can be equally used. You can be equally used. It says on sons and daughters, they can prophesy. Oh, man, I didn't mean go here in first service. This must be for somebody in here. This means that daughters, they're not always silent. You better think about that one before you tell women should be quiet in church. They're prophesying. They're saying what God is saying supernaturally. 
and you shouldn't stop that. Okay, let me help some people. We're going to keep going. It says on the young and the old. It says old men are going to dream dreams. Young men, visions. Hello, listen to me, church. Why have we stopped talking about the supernatural interaction that God has with his people? And we boiled it down to churches become, just be nice. Just be, come on. Just, you know, come on. We just want you to get married, have a couple kids, have a decent big bank account, write a check every week. We boil this down to something that is not supernatural. And God says, listen, the old and the young. I'm looking for a spirit-filled young generation to rise up with the word of the Lord in their mouth. I'm not saying, listen, if they can know every single TikTok, I can't go for a walk on the beach without seeing two girls in front of a phone doing this movement thing, trying to act like they're singing whatever they're seeing. Like, what is that? I'm like, kids, what is that? Is there medicine for that? No, dad, that's an app. (laughs) And yet, what, what have we done as a church? We've removed the supernatural element away from the church, and we've we just said, man, I just want good kids. I want godly kids. I want kids filled with God. I pray you want that too, but they might come and mess with the movies you got stacked up at your house. You get them spirit-filled, they may say, oh, that R-rated movie, Dad, gotta go. I'm going to mess with you a little bit today. I'm going to offend everybody today. This is just everybody. Everybody's going to get offended today. I love it. And then we're all going to come back together. All right. And then we see, he says, men servants and maid servants. By the way, the outpouring of spirit has nothing to do with economics. He says, the rich, the poor, everybody who is a believer is, 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 is av- it would be available to be supernaturally empowered by God. Now listen, what comes next? A shaking. In the scripture, shaking comes. Blood, fire, vapor of smoke, sun to darkness, moon to blood. And what comes next? And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So here here it is. Acts 2 is summed up this way. When the church gets baptized in God's supernatural presence, in the presence of a shaking that's going on the earth, many will come to relationship with Jesus. Man, that ought to make you shout. You know why? Because I've seen the headlines. I don't look at them much, but I've seen them. There's a shaking going on. People are freaking out over viruses, freaking out over all the social issues. People are, have lost their minds. And if you want to engage at that level, you will lose yours too. But if you'll just live in the blessing of Pentecost and get baptized in God's presence and say, I was made for an hour of shaking, then you will see people around you call on the name of the Lord because they will say, I want what is securing you in an hour of shaking. That's why we need the blessing of Pentecost. We need to know the person of the Holy Spirit. 
So today, after speaking last week, if you weren't here last week, you need to go back and please listen to that message, uh, which is all about, does he baptize, speaking of the Holy Spirit? And we talked about the, the baptisms that he gets involved in. This week, I chose a less controversial topic. So the title of my sermon is called The Grace of Tongues. I told you I was going to offend everybody. It's so good. Now, I titled it that way on purpose um, because we do believe here that the Holy Spirit has never stopped moving, never stopped filling. He has never stopped being powerful. And embracing that ideology is actually, I believe, one of the greatest uh, acts of mind control that's ever been released on the church, to believe that God stopped being powerful. The cessation theory, that's what it says. God stopped being powerful among his people. And he can only save. He just doesn't move. Um, in power anymore. That's kind of what that says. I'm not going to focus on that today. We're going to focus on the grace of tongues. And I titled it that way on purpose because I want you to remember this. I want this to get down deep in your spirit. There is a gift of tongues and there is a grace of tongues. There is a gift of tongues and there is a grace of tongues. The gift of tongues, listen carefully because this is going to help a lot of people in here. The gift of tongues is a message from God to other people, and it demands interpretation. That means when God is speaking in tongues to a, to a group of people, and he gives the message in tongues, if it wasn't interpreted, it is out of order. It was a message from God to people. The grace of tongues is a message from us to God. It's a prayer language. Not everybody will operate in the gift of tongues, but everybody can operate in the grace of tongues. Here's how you can remember that. Grace is for everybody. Grace is extended to everyone. And every believer, as we showed last week, The Holy Spirit gets involved in three baptisms. He baptizes us into Jesus. There is a spiritual moment in our water baptism. And then Jesus baptizes us in the person of the Holy Spirit, which walks us in to the grace of tongues. Now, I want to help you to understand this. But... As uh, I sometimes feel, because as a pastor and uh, somewhat gifted uh, to the body as a prophet, one who hears the Lord and says and teaches others to hear uh, what the Lord is saying, I can feel it when I'm getting resistance. And I can tell when, when I brought up tongues that for some, man, you are putting on the brakes, Okay. You're like, why did I come this week? (laughs) Okay, I think something weird's going to happen. No, it's not weird. We're actually going to read the Bible together. That's what we're going to do. We're going to read the Bible together. 
And if something rises up in you when we're reading the Bible together, it could be that there's something wrong with the theology or the atmosphere that you've grown up in or that we're really offended by the whole idea of the Holy Spirit and we just want to avoid him entirely. And please don't do that. It leads to death in some ways. Now, gifts work this way. I want to just, can I just remove tongues for all those who are offended? Let me just step over here and I'll replace it so you can understand the gift and grace, okay? Okay, can we just put tongues over here for a minute? In the scripture, there is a gift of giving. Well, why not leave the one thing that is super offensive and go to the other thing that is super offensive? Now he's going to talk about money. Okay. Oh, I'm, I told you I was going to offend everybody. Okay. The gift of giving. Here's what that is. That is somebody who has means. By the way, gift of giving does not include your credit limit. That may be prophetic for somebody. The gift of giving is someone who has means and they sacrificially give. How many of you understand, though, that all of the body of Christ is called to be generous? They, they're similar, but they're different. Do you understand? The gift of tongues and the grace of tongues are similar, but they're different. All right? Now, I'm going to help you with this. Now, let's just read some scripture together. If you have your Bible, you can go to 1 Corinthians 14. I've got a lot of scripture for you, and I'm just going to walk you through this uh, rather quickly and give you three very, very simple ideas. First, for all of my theologians who are out there, my first point is for you. It is scriptural. Tongues is scriptural. All right? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. I'm going to walk you through something, and I want you, you got to think. You have to think. This is the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, penning these words. For he who speaks in a tongue, listen, does not speak to God, uh, does not speak to men, do you see that? Does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, notice these three words, and you've got to underline them, and you see them throughout Scripture. In the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So, whenever he is addressing, speaking in tongues, he refers to it as, what? In the Spirit. In the Spirit. Do you see the connection here? All right? So speaking in tongues is referring to speaking in the spirit. Notice, he says he doesn't speak to men, but to God. How many of you know what it's called when you speak to God? What's it called? Real simple, four-letter word. What's it called? Prayer. prayer. That's right. When you speak to God, it is prayer. Prayer. Very simple. That's more letters than it's pray, pray, prayer. You got it. You're right. As I'm, as I'm the, the one that's really looking at English all through this thing. Uh, the reason I said four letters is because we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 14, 4. 14, 14. I got to get my, my mouth working this morning. 14, 14. And it says this. 
If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray, notice those words, with the spirit. And I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the spirit. And I will also sing with understanding. Otherwise, if you bless, what's, have you ever blessed the food? Yes. What is that? that? That's a prayer, right? So if I bless with the spirit, notice with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at the what? Giving of thanks, which is another way of saying prayer, since he does not understand what you say. For you indeed, here's another, you know, that could fall under the subheading of prayer. Give thanks well, but the other is not edified. How many times do we see in the spirit, with the spirit, in the spirit, with the spirit? And so praying with the spirit is praying in tongues. The Apostle Paul says praying in tongues is with the Spirit. And you, you know, if this really starts to bother you, we're just reading God's Word. We're reading God's Word. And if it really bothers you, let's read the next verse, 18, because the Apostle Paul in the Spirit is kind of showing off. He says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. He says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. And all of us who want to build our lives biblically and all of us who really appreciate all of the theology that comes out of the Apostle Paul need also to embrace his instruction on praying with the Spirit. Now, I grew up in a church uh, a missionary Baptist church. And for those of you who don't know what a missionary Baptist church is, we are the group of people. I love my missionary Baptist roots, by the way. I, I love them. I am so grateful for my scriptural roots, the things that I learned about God. I got saved in a missionary Baptist church. I am so grateful for that. I, I learned to hate Southern gospel. I mean, love Southern gospel music uh, there. Uh, it was the only time that amens were allowed to be heard in the church. It was, it was like, you know, that was, that was revival. The Southern Gospel Quartet would come. But we were the church. We were mad, uh, we were, uh, mad at the Southern Baptists because the Southern Baptists became denominational. So there were a lot of things that we really didn't like. And especially, this is what I heard as a child. I grew up in this atmosphere. I went to a Christian school. There's a very similar influence. And here's what they said. Don't pray in tongues. That's of the devil. That was my experience. I don't know if you heard that, but that's what I heard. Don't do that. That's of the devil. Tongues is of the devil. They said, don't do it. Now, when I had an encounter with God at age 21 and began to experience him in ways I had never seen in the scripture because I'd never been taught this way, and I, I had this powerful encounter with God, I began to search the scriptures for myself. 
and say, God, what is going on in my life? Why am I hearing you like never before? I didn't understand what was going on. And I began to search the scriptures and I came across 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14. And I was like, wow, Lord, what is all of this? And begin to really investigate it. And then I came across the scripture that I couldn't believe I was reading. 1 Corinthians 14, 39, it says, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. And maybe some of you right now are reading that passage for the first time. And you're like, what? The Bible says don't forbid it? And there are churches that forbid it? Do you know what that's called? Spiritual blindness. It's blindness. That there would be things that are so clearly written within the scriptures that we would just ignore. I have to look away from that. And, and, and oh, I said it last week. I don't want you to be confused. Because confusion exists in the absence of biblical teaching and everything within the scriptures we are to approach intellectually and prayerfully. So, here's, I, 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 I just, I was blind to it. I said, don't forbid speaking in tongues. So, why not? Because it's scriptural. Second, you need to see this. This is very simple. It's a benefit. Praying in tongues for a believer is a benefit. It's a benefit. When you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you have the, uh, you can uh, pray in a tongue and receive the benefit of that prayer. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Uh, that word but could also be translated on the other hand. So it would say it this way. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. On the other hand, he who prophesies edifies the church. Now, uh, sometimes when people are reading this, they're like, oh, we need to totally discount what it, what it says before the but. And really need to uh, go after what comes after the but. But just because it says, but, it's, it, it is contrasting the two, but it, it's not contrasting the two to actually demean or to devalue praying in tongues. He's actually saying, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. That word edifies means builds himself or herself up. I just have a question. Has anybody been a little stressed about what's been going on? I mean, just raise your hand if you felt the pressure. Just raise your hand if you felt the pressure. Okay, for those who did not raise your hand, we are going to be calling you forward. At the end of the service, you are all going to lay hands on the rest of us, okay? Because you evidently are not like us who need edifying. You are fully edified, okay? We, however, need some building up in this hour. There's some stuff that's going on that's bigger than us. It's out of our control. We know God is in control. We're engaging things in the spirit. But uh, honestly, the whole world is shaking. And if you haven't felt it, I, I don't know. I, I, God means for you to feel it. 
Why? Because he wants us to learn to how to, to rely on him. But if you don't want to live in anxiety and worry and defeat, and by the way, it doesn't just apply to, to, to these world events. By the way, you might get some victory over your addictions if you'd pray in the Holy Spirit and get built up. You might get victory in the pet sins that you've just embraced and you thought, well, one day, uh, you know, I'll just be free of that sexual sin. I'll just be free of that perversion. I'll just be free of it. No, get in the private place and begin to walk in the benefit of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it says you'll be what? Edified, built up. You know, I, I know there's plenty of really good people who say, well, I just don't even see the point. Why, why do I need to pray in tongues? Here's why. We all need building up. And evidently, God thinks you need building up too. And he comes by his spirit to build us up. Now, there are other things in the scripture which build us up. Now, I want to help you. If you've been around the scriptures a little bit, many of you may uh, know Ephesians chapter 6, which talks about the armor of God, right? And, and, and this armor is for the protection, and let's say it another way, the building up or the strengthening of the believer. Now, I don't have time to go through all of the armor. You can do that on your own, Ephesians 6. But I do want to show you something. Ephesians 6, 17 says this, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, semicolon. Many pastors stop right here as if it's a period. It's not a period. There is a continued thought right here. Here. If we stop here, we stop short of the fullness of the strengthening that God provides to believers. Let's go on and see what it says. Praying always with all prayer and supplications. Notice these three words. In the spirit. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We just studied that. We just looked at that. What does in the spirit and with the spirit mean? In tongues. Listen, could it be, could it be that some believers are vulnerable because they'll have the armor up to a point but won't engage in prayer in the armor in the way that God said so that there are some things that are left vulnerable? God says, take the armor and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying in the Spirit. In the Spirit. It's all connected. Now, Jude 20, because there's only one uh, chapter, says this. It says, beloved, but you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying, here we are again, those three words, in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? In other tongues. You're praying in tongues. This is for every believer. This is a grace. It is scriptural, and it's a benefit, and third, it's an opportunity. And I want you to see it this way. It's an opportunity. This is very simple. When you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, when Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit, you have the opportunity, listen, to pray in tongues. Acts 19.1, we read it last week. 
This is 25 years after Pentecost. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Let me, wait, wait, guys, look up. Why would he ask that question if you couldn't believe, be saved, and still not receive the Holy Spirit? The Apostle Paul, he gave us a third of the New Testament, caught up to the third heaven. He, he knows his theology. And then they, evidently they went to the same church that I did. We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. <laughs> and he said to them, into what then were you baptized? He's going to check out their salvation into John's baptism. Paul said, John indeed baptized a baptism of repentance, saying that people should believe. Remember that salvation baptism? Believe, repent and believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were what? Water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now the, the men were about 12 in all. What happened when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit? They began to speak in tongues. You say, well, what, what kind of tongues was this? Well, I can tell you what kind of tongues this is. This is the kind that does not demand interpreting, interpreting because there was no interpreter there. This is the grace of tongues. By the way, this is the exact same thing that happened in Acts chapter 8. When the Holy Spirit fell upon, uh, make sure I get that right, it's Acts 8 or Acts 10. Uh, when the Holy Spirit fell on uh, the Gentiles, when Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit falls on them. They begin to speak in other tongues as they did in the beginning. And the Jews were astonished. They were like, <gasps> they got it too? How did they know they got it? They heard them magnifying God in tongues. They didn't understand them. Now listen, guys, that's the grace of tongues. Everyone received it in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, and here in Acts 19, it says there were 12 in all. All of them received it. So we can't say that gift is, listen to me, listen to me. You can't say the gift is not for me. Because I know what you mean. You're actually meaning the grace is not for me. The grace of tongues is for you. You may operate in the gift of tongues if the Holy Spirit inspires you to do so. And you do so decently and in order. And we could talk more about that some other time. So what do we see here? They spoke in tongues. They were praying in tongues. Now notice the words of Paul. This is the opportunity that comes. After he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 14, he said, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. He says, what's my conclusion then? I will. Do you see those words? I will pray with the spirit that's in tongues and I will pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Can I just, can I just, uh, just a personal note, personal observation of being uh, in ministry full-time here at Calvary for like 20 years. You want to know what two things just to get people to do in English are hard to do out loud? Pray 
in English and sing. And you know what some of you have done? You come into worship services, you fold your arms and say, well, I don't sing. And then there's another level. Praying in tongues. I know what we're up against to try to get you to pray out loud. You tell your kids, no, 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 you go ahead and pray for the meal. I know what you do. You're scared to pray in English. Here we have a scripture that says you should pray in tongues, not, not silently, out loud. Oh, and I'm going to take it to a whole nother level over here. <laughs> and you who are folding your arms saying I'm not singing, not only are you missing out on the, on the really what I see as the invitation and opportunity of God to worship him in your known language by singing with understanding, but I know you're completely missing it on singing in tongues out loud. Because if you won't sing in English, you're never singing in tongues. And what did the Apostle Paul said? I will. What is he saying? I'm taking the act of my will and I am choosing to take God up on the opportunity to pray in the spirit and to sing in the spirit. Listen, some of us came from backgrounds that said all that stuff is spooky. If you give in to that, someday you're going to be in Walmart. And then the Spirit of God's gonna fall on you and you're gonna stand up on the register. <laughs> and then uncontrollably out of, uh, something's gonna roll out of you. And then you're gonna come to, everybody's gonna be looking at you and you are gonna have no idea what just happened. <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> That's craziness. Paul said, I will. That is nonsense. And to all my ultra charismatic and, and, speak, and, and spirit-filled people who said, I just couldn't control it. Well, then, I, you know, the spirit of God gives us the fruit of self-control. <laughs> oh, I just offended some. You're going to take your long skirt and your bun and you're walking out. I know, I know. <laughs> I know, I told you I was going to offend everybody. Everybody today is going to get offended. Listen, you can't tell me that the Spirit of God gives self-control and you say, I can't control it. Nonsense. The Apostle Paul would never give instruction on when to use it and how to use it if it wasn't an act of will taking God up on an opportunity. Why would the instruction ever be there? And let me just say to my other folks who don't come from that background, why would he give instruction on when to use it and how to use it if we weren't supposed to use it? Listen, I was spiritually blind. <laughs> Everything I ever heard about the Holy Spirit was is that it's the devil. It's the devil. Uh, 
there was a gigantic church that got built in our city. We'd always went to this really tiny missionary Baptist church. All of a sudden, this, this, this wild man named Carl Strader said he heard from God, and he built a 10,000-seat church. A 10,000-seat church. There was like something like seven or 8,000 people going there every Sunday in a town of 100,000. Think about that. 10% of the whole town is going to that one church. And so we just said, well, we got to go see it. And so my, I remember my mom took us. I was a young man. I was probably 12 years old. And I, I do want to tell you this. Because the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit, he manifests through love. And I can remember this. Listen, I'm so, mar- listen, I cannot remember Lots of things that happened last week. I remember this moment at 12, year old, 12 years old because God marked me with it. I remember walking in behind my mom, seeing the magnitude of this place. And I'm walking down because it's kind of like stadium pews, right? I'm walking down, and, and where the aisle splits and you go down a little bit closer, there was a, a gray-haired gray man this big gray beard, and he had this big smile on his face, and he's wearing this badge that says Usher, and I will never forget the very first time I felt the supernatural love of God was coming and pouring out of a man I had never met. I can't explain it. He said, welcome. He looked at me as a 12-year-old boy and embraced me, and for the First time I've been in church my whole life. For the first time, I felt the supernatural love of the Holy Spirit coming from someone to me. It was in that service that I, I, I was like, what was that? I knew that he loved me, and I didn't know him. I'm 12. I'm processing. I'm sitting there. I'm listening to the message. The message is proclaimed that we need Jesus Christ to be saved. I knew that message. I was familiar with it. Had been water baptized. But then at the end, they said, if you want to be saved, come over here. But if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, come over here. Now, I just knew I was saved. And so when I heard that, I was like, well, okay, yeah, Holy Spirit, I heard of him. I don't know anything about him. I went down front. They laid hands on me, and all of a sudden, I begin to hear this language on the inside. Now, for men in the room, sounded a little bit like a Chevy big block V8, okay? <laughs> so that's what it sounded like in there. Yeah. And when I heard it, all the messages that I'd heard as a child came back. Listen, listen. And it wasn't good. You know what I heard? That's the devil. And there are some people in here, you grew up in that same atmosphere that I did, and you thought, that's the devil. Why would I open myself up to the devil? And you know how good God is? God puts scriptures that answer this very thing to all of us. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus says these words, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, okay, over all the power of the enemy. Now, just look at me. Come on. Was he talking about literal snakes and literal scorpions? Okay, no, no, no. You need to be more convinced, okay? (laughs) Was he talking about literal snakes and literal scorpions? 
The answer to that is no, he wasn't. Then what is he talking about? He's talking about spirit, demons. He's talking about devils. He's talking about the influence of Satan, right? He says, I'm giving you authority to trample on all of those things. Now, let's go to the next chapter, Luke chapter 11. And Jesus says these powerful words. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a... Hmm. Sounds familiar. Instead of a fish. If he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Hmm. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? He is saying in advance, those who think that when you ask God for the Holy Spirit, that you're going to open yourself up to the devil, Jesus says, I'm better than that. The Father's better than that. And so for those who have been so uh, uh, blinded by theology to think that when we ask for the Holy Spirit, when we say, come and fill me, that somehow a devil is going to come inside, Jesus said, no, no, no. I'm a better father than any father you've ever seen on the planet. And because you have been bought by the blood of the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, I will baptize you in my spirit. And it's a good gift. I'm going to say it again. I said it last week to start the message. The best gift ever given to the church is the Holy Spirit. The best gift given to the whole world is Jesus Christ dying on the cross, his burial and resurrection. But the best gift ever given to believers is the person of God in the Holy Spirit who divinely empowers us through Jesus baptizing us in him and then we can do things we could never do on our own. And we, by an act of our will, can participate with him. Now, why is this one area met with such resistance? And I'm going to close with this. This one area. Like you bring up miracles to any denomination. They're like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Healing, we're like, "Eh." we're freaked out a little bit, but yeah, we're good with healing. (laughs) They're like, you want God to give you supernatural wisdom? Oh, yeah, 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 wisdom. How about, man, God drops an idea that just didn't come from you. Yeah, yeah. Knowledge, yeah, yeah. Faith, I want supernatural. Man, I want, I, yeah, yeah. Tongues, no! <laughs> um, do you know how this kingdom is spread? By the tongue, the yielded tongue. And I promise you, James 3 is right. It says this, no man can tame the tongue. All right? Now, because we, we are terrible Bible readers, that just thinks that you know what we think, right? That our tongue 
is literally going to run off the rest of our lives. You know what it doesn't say? What it doesn't say is that God can't tame the tongue. It says man can't tame the tongue. If we would submit our tongues in initially the baptism of the Holy Spirit, could it be that we would be edified and then be more vocal about sharing the gospel? I think that's why there's so much resistance to this. And I'm going to say to you what the Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5. I wish you all spoke in tongues. Show it. Put it up. I want you to see it. That's in your Bible. 1 Corinthians 14, 5. I wish you all spoke in tongues. And if the Apostle Paul says, I wish you all spoke in tongues, I'm going to say as your pastor, I wish you all spoke in tongues. Guys, I don't know where I would be without praying in tongues. I was praying in tongues all weekend for you, for me, for this moment. I'm praying in tongues. I would, I, I would not know where to be without praying in the Holy Spirit. He's a gift. He's a wonderful gift. And we've got to get to know him. And God wants to take down every wall so that we can freely receive what he has for us.